0: Listen, 88.3 FM, The Grizz, live from downtown Rochester and Oakland University, this is John for Sports Day in the D. It's January 10th, 2013. Got a lot to get to on today's show. The NHL lockout's been lifted. We'll tell you what that means for the Detroit Red Wings and the life of the new CBA. College basketball landscape has a lot going on within it, and you won't believe what Annie Katz says of ESPN, talking about how far the Michigan Wolverines can go this season. In the NBA, there's a lot of news and notes going around the league. We'll get into some of the big-time plays in that regard. And as far as MLB 13, the show, coming out in March on the PlayStation 3 and Vita, there's a certain Detroit Tiger that could be on the cover. We'll talk about how we can get some votes in for this guy. Coming back in from the break, we'll discuss how the NHL is going to work with the Detroit Red Wings and the rest of the league regarding that new CBA and get into some big-time contracts that you might not see anymore. John Ott, Sports Day in the D. You're listening to WXOU 88.3 FM, The Grizz. This is John Ott for Sports Day in the D, back with you. And you might say, hey, this song's out on HL 13, Zombie Nation. And yeah, I can tell you that's right, but I don't have to sit there and play NHL 13 anymore because finally the NHL is back, the CBA is done with, and we can get on to discussing some hockey. want to get into one of these things here for one of these articles Now, let me spell this girl's last name out because I really don't want to say it wrong. But Sarah with an H and her last name, K-W-A-K, inside the NHL. You can get her article at sportsillustrated.cnn.com. She did a wonderful job of breaking down what the CBA is going to be for this new NHL to have labor peace until the year 2020. Sounds futuristic, doesn't it? She opens up the article by saying this, After 112 days and more than 16 hours of negotiations with a federal mediator that bled from Saturday into Sunday, the NHL and its players ended the lockout and finalized a collective bargaining agreement. That's been quite a long time, but here's what it really entails. So this new CBA, it's a 10-year deal, But either side can opt out in the last two years of the deal, so years 9 and 10, obviously. That means there will be labor peace to last until 2020. And with three work stoppages in the last 18 years, that really just makes sense, doesn't it? As far as player contracts go, let's get into some stuff that you won't see anymore. We talked about before we get into this open here. Nashville, Shea Weber, you know they lost... Ryan Suter, so they had to lock one of these guys up. His offer sheet could have been matched by the Philadelphia Flyers, but instead Nashville didn't want to lose both those guys, so they locked Shea Weber into a 14-year, $110 million deal. The Minnesota Wild, you know, the Red Wings wanted Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. Both of those guys went to the Wild for 13 years, $98 million. Carolina... Jordan Stahl and Eric Stahl end up finally playing together. Jordan Stahl locked over for 10 years, $60 million. Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby, as we all know, 12 years, $104 million. The Los Angeles Kings and goaltender Jonathan Quick, 10 years, $58 million. And then there's just a couple other ones I want to mention here. Eli Kovalchuk, 15 years, $100 million for the Devils. And Alex Ovechkin, 13 years, $124 million for the the Washington Capitals. And what does this mean for the Red Wings? Well, I'm definitely going to get to that. Maximum seven-year contract now only allowed within the new CBA. Resigning a player is a maximum of an eight-year deal, but first acquiring is a maximum of seven-year contract. There's not going to be any more ridiculous front-loaded or back-loaded contracts. And this is where we get into it with the Red Wings. Talked about Hank Zetterberg, 12 years, $73 million, and Johan Franzen, 11 years, Forty-three and a half million dollars, and there's no more, and there's no other way to say this, but there's no more, quite frankly, prison sentences contracts with these guys having these long-term deals. They're not signed there for the rest of their career, and I think that's a good move for the cba because you don't really want to have that you want players to move around you want some excitement in free agency and you're possibly going to get more of that within this new cba what i'm talking about now is with the no more ridiculous front loaded or back loaded contracts the last two years of henrik zetterberg's contract is just a million a year and it's just absolutely crazy how you get around the cap and circumvent everything and just pretty much put the contract on that regard So, with the way it's going to work now, it's not going to be any less than $5 million. There's not going to be more Hank Zetterbergs for a million. Or, quite possibly, if you remember the great one, Wayne Gretzky, his first big contract, 21 years, $21 million. You're not going to see any of that kind of stuff anymore. What does it mean for this year? Well, the salary cap and the season, everything didn't get started until late. So, there's going to be a 48-game season. It's going to start in 10 days. Approximately January 19th, and the Red Wings' first home game is going to be a few days shortly after that. I think the Wings are going to start on the road against the St. Louis Blues. Everything out there in terms of what the schedule is going to be, I haven't seen it out there. I've been trying to look up some stuff for the show, but that's pretty much where we're at right now. And The cap for this year uh, proportionally is going to be about $70 million, and next year it's going to be $64 million. So, the only other things that were discussed in this CBA was retired players getting pensions, and then what you really wanted was not putting in the CBA. Talking about more Olympic participation, which would be nice for a lot of these players, and that league realignment, that's going to be pushed off to a later date, possibly next year or a season after that. So, talking about the Wings... Finally playing in the Eastern Conference where they're supposed to and not have to play these uh, 11 o'clock at night games against the Phoenix Coyotes. That stuff's not going to be moved over until another couple of seasons. So what we got right now in terms of what the Wings are faced at, you have some new faces. You know finally that Hank Zetterberg and Pavel Datsuk are going to be playing together on the first line. That's what Mike Babcock has planned for the Wings but there's some new free agent signings, and maybe not... All but one of them out of this five. One of them does look familiar, but knew some free agent signings talk about. And defenseman Carlo Colliacovo, lefty defenseman, turned into a solid puck handler since being traded from Toronto to St. Louis 10 games into the 2008-09 season. With at least 19 points in each of the past four seasons, last year was a down year for the 29-year-old, though, scoring just two goals in 64 games. It's going to be hard to replace Nicholas Lidstrom when you come to that regard on that. Damian Brunner. The Swedish forward meshed well with Henrik Zetterberg during their time together in the Swiss League. Brenner's only 26, scored 25 goals in only 33 games playing on Zetterberg's line during the lockout. Had at least 45 points in fewer than 50 games in each of the past three seasons. Michael Samuelson, remember he was just with the Vancouver Canucks. He's been a Red Wing for quite a while. He was a Red Wing from 2005-09, scoring 67 goals while wearing the wing wheel. The 36 year old spent most of the last season with Florida, scoring 13 goals for the Panthers on the way to the playoffs. So, Canucks, Panthers, Red Wings, this guy has been around for a long time, but you know when he was here, he was the guy that was putting some pucks into the net, which is what the Wings could definitely use. Jordan Tutu, a guy that spent a lot of time in Nashville, mostly known for being a pest and trying to get under your skin, well, He's a smaller-sized guy, but he's definitely going to be on that wings line now trying to do a lot of the same things, and I think Mike Babcock's really going to appreciate that. And a backup goaltender in uh, Jonas Gustafsson, the Swedish goalie nicknamed the Monster, struggled in the first couple of seasons in the NHL, but looked sharp last season with the Maple Leafs, a 28-year-old putting up a 2.92 goals against and four shutouts in 42 games with the Maple Leafs, so he'd be a solid backup. But what does that mean all in terms of the Red Wings. Yeah, you got some new pieces. You did lose Yuri Hudler to the Calgary Flames. You don't have Nicholas Lidstrom, and defenseman Brad Stewart went to the San Jose Sharks to spend more time with his family and his wife. So you pretty much lost your entire first line on defense. Everybody knows that you didn't get Zach Parise and Ryan Souter. So you lost a, an incredible goal scoring forward that you could have had and a defenseman to definitely solidify everything he had with Nicholas Ludstrom, And you knew that the Nashville Predators were going to sign Shea Weber, so he wasn't going anywhere. So what do the Wings do? They really just have to try to find a way to sneak into the playoffs, if that's their goal. But you think with this 48-game season, and supposedly everything is going to stick within the conference. So no playing Eastern Conference teams for the Detroit Red Wings. And what would that mean is it's going to be a lot looking of of a different kind of team. There's no Nicholas Lidstrom out there to bail you out when stuff goes bad on defense. Yeah, you still got Dadsuk, you still got Zetterberg, and you still got Franz, but these guys aren't exactly getting any younger. And it's just going to be a lot different looking of a team than we'd seen in years past, and I'm not really sure where the Wings are going to go. I've seen a lot of prognostications between people saying that the Wings could possibly make sneak in there and get a 7th or 8th seed, or they can miss the playoffs entirely. But if you want to know what I'm thinking, you can get at me at Facebook and Twitter at TBU Gunslinger. contact the show on WXOU.org, Sports Day in the D, all the stuff posted on your listen, posted at Oakland University on WXOU.org. If you want to know what I'm thinking, I'm not entirely sure if the Wings are going to make the playoffs. And if you really think about it being a bad thing, I would look past that. It's a shortened season. The Wings have a chance to go ahead and play some younger guys, hopefully get some experience, find out where they're going to be and possibly try to make another run into this coming off season after the shortened season. I know that's not what you th- want to think about before the season even starts and I'm not just trying to be pessimistic about everything, but honestly, the Wings didn't get anything they wanted and when you lose Nicholas Ludstrom you lose Pretty much the best defender to play in the NHL ever, maybe behind Bobby Orr. This guy really is that good. And Mike Babcock pretty much just tried to coax him out of retirement recently with this season starting, and he said he's not going to budge. The Wings are going to be in a tough position. they still got Jimmy Howard at goaltender, and he's going to stop a lot of pucks, but he's going to have to do that because the defense is not going to look so good for the Red Wings. In terms of everything else that we got going on within the CBA, Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, there's been three work stoppages since he's been in there, and the the very first one coming in the 94-95 season, then you remember 05-06, where the entire season was gone, and then just now recently. Gary Bettman, there's been a lot of people saying that this guy should lose his job, and then there's also been a lot of people saying ways that the NHL can get the fans back on the ice. And I'm here to tell you this. The NHL, despite being Detroit hockey town and all that, yeah, it's popular here, but the prices are just too ridiculous. And as far as a league wide sport, they can say, yeah, the revenue has gone up every year. Basically, hockey, Canadian sport, and there's some good U.S. teams without here, especially within Detroit, Chicago, all these teams have been mentioned. But if you really want to get everybody back, I think getting rid of Gary Batman might not be such a bad idea. We think about those three lockouts. You think about his stone-faced expen- expression, the hard-fought businessman not willing to press on anything, and that's probably why this deal has gotten done. But a lot of these players have come out and said that he is a horrible general manager. A lot of these guys out there, Donald Fear and all that say he is a horrible person to have to work with, and that's within both sides of the players and the union and everybody else, with the GMs and everybody considered that all runs sports in the NHL. It's just absolutely ridiculous to see that this guy is still a part of it in the bicentennial year coming in 2016. He's, Gary Bettman still wants to be a part of that. But with everybody saying that he's done such a poor job, you got to believe that he can't be lasting much longer. Guys like on ESPN like... Pierre Lebrun or Scott Burnside had mentioned that NHL Center Ice Package should be given away for free. Be discounts on all the merchandising in the NHL. Anything to try to get all the fans back. I'm here to tell you all the fans that truly care about hockey are the ones that are going to be coming back. But they need to do something to entice the casual fan to get some more commercials out there, promote the game, do something, bring fighting back, get more of a prominent enforcer out there. Do something to try to get these casual fans to come in there and support the NHL because that's where you need to make some more of that money. And Gary Bettman, pretty much any time he's out there at a game, he's getting booed. Anytime he's out there presenting the Stanley Cup to the winning team, he's out there getting booed. So everything within the NHL and the way that he's run it has not been good. The players don't want him there. The union doesn't want him there. The executives don't want him there. Why is he still here? You can... Credit him all you want for trying to get this deal done to end the lockup, but when you got three lockouts within his tenure, something's definitely not going right. Come back in from the break. We're going to talk about some college basketball and get into what Andy Katz had said about how far the Michigan Wolverines can go, and we'll preview a couple of their must-win games coming up to see if they're as good as advertised. This is John Ott, Sports Day in the D. Sports Day in the D, WXOU, 88.3 FM, the Grizz from Oakland University. This is John Ott, back here with you to talk some college hoops. Big Blue, Michigan's finally going to take on some opponents that are worth the attention. Not just sitting at 50 to 0, it is a big deal for the Wolverines, but by golly, it's time you need to go ahead and play somebody, and I'm not talking about Nebraska going 9-6 and six so far in the season. On the Big Ten Network tonight, I'm talking about the big matchups Sunday and the following Thursday, which we'll discuss on Sports Sanity in the next show, but you assume they take care of business against Nebraska Wednesday, so when you hear the show on Thursday, everybody knows it's all good, Michigan's gotten it done in their 16-0, you assume that's going to be the case, but having a chance to watch the replay of Michigan's game against NC State against the Wolfpack, and then just watching Ohio State play last night and do a pretty good job against the Purdue Boilermakers, Ohio State sits at number 15. And Sunday at 1.30 Eastern on CBS, the Wolverines and the Buckeyes are finally going to square off. And it's finally going to be a good test for the Michigan Wolverines because, honestly... Here's another problem that I have with the Wolverines, even though they've started so good. They've only played two games on the road this season compared to 14 at home, and they really need to go ahead and try to test themselves. So, playing against Ohio State's a good way to do that on the road against that Scarlet Red. And big time matchups for Michigan to have to worry about in college basketball. You can get at me, Facebook. Twitter, anything with the Big Ten, let me know what you're thinking. I think Michigan is going to be tested against this game. I'm not sitting here saying necessarily that they're going to lose, but I don't expect this to be a cakewalk. And here's a couple reasons why. Deshaun Thomas, a junior for Ohio State, He's finally a big-time scorer, and that's something that Michigan has not really gone against so far this season. He's averaging just over 20 points per, and it's going to be a good matchup for Glenn Robinson third, most likely where they're going to be matched up in the defensive assignment. And Aaron Kraft for the Ohio State Buckeyes is not the same player that you thought he would be in the last season. The only knock on him that you would say that isn't as good is his offensive game. He's only giving you about seven and a half, eight points per in every matchup. But the one place where he can absolutely be a pest is on the defensive end, where he can get a couple steals and play some good point for Ohio State. So whether it's Trey Burke or Tim Hardaway Jr., that backcourt for Michigan should have a little bit more of a difficult time going against Aaron Kraft. But we'll see if Michigan at that point will be 17-0 going into and getting past their first test. And no offense, if you call the NC State Wolfpack a test, I disagree with you on that. Michigan had to get that W, and they're in the right spot where they are. The following Thursday, we talk about Michigan and going against the Minnesota Golden Gophers on the road, and we talk about that 14 games at home and two on the road for Michigan. The golfers are a different team than Ohio State is in, in terms of them being a more balanced squad. They don't have a big-time score as far as statistics say. Guard Andre Hollins and forward Rodney Williams just have 13 points per game. Talk about Trevor Mbakwe. He's one of those better defenders than Michigan is going to see. So we'll see where Michigan goes. They finally play these two games on the road Sunday, 1.30 Eastern on CBS Make sure you watch Michigan go up against Ohio State and we'll see if the Wolverines can finally put their money where their mouth is in terms of them holding that number two ranking and see if it's actually worth it because Michigan State Spartans have had a lot to say. You know, they've played against Kansas. They've played against all these other tough teams that Michigan has not done yet. They've actually played people and they've actually had a pretty good season so far. They're ranked 22nd right now and you'd say... Yeah, Michigan State's got some losses, but I would also fire back at all of the big blue fans out there that Michigan State's actually played a little bit of decent competition, and that's what Michigan's finally going to start to do on Sunday. As far as Scoop Jackson says, you know you remember him from like the first or the final round on ESPN the little drinking thing with Jim Bean where he goes and hangs out with the comedians and asks some sports questions. He writes some good articles within the NBA and college basketball, and he had something to say about the Big Ten. He goes, when you think about Michigan State, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, all these teams will be a threat to anyone in the big tournament. The new B-1-G or B-I-G is the NCAA basketball version of football in the SEC, but he said minus the seven national championships, of course. But the Big Ten, it's really quite amazing, and we talked about this before a little bit on the show, it's really quite amazing how the Big Ten goes from being the worst football conference I've ever seen to being the best basketball conference in the nation. And when you go ahead and you think about some of the stuff in his article, if you want to get in there, just go to ESPN, Scoop Jackson, you'll find something on NCAA Basketball. His article is going to be at the top of the list. He said the Big Ten is ultimately going to be measured by the amount of players that it puts into the NBA. But you got to believe anybody named Zeller is going to be in there. You think about that guy out of Indiana. Think about uh, Denzel Valentine. You think about Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke. All these guys could possibly go into the, in the NBA. And then you think about Illinois. They put a good beatdown on Ohio State and pretty much made Thad Motta rethink the game plan. Illinois had some good players. The Golden Gophers have got some good players. The Big Ten, is these, these guys are not going to come unscathed in there. You're going to see a lot of teams that have two or three losses. And I think this competition is going to make them better for by the time March Madness rolls around. The future outlook for the Michigan Wolverines quite possibly looks like this. When you think about Andy Katz, you think about all of his college basketball knowledge, Jay Billis, and maybe not so much uh, Dick Vitale because pretty much now at this point he just says, Yeah, baby! And votes for the Duke and diaper, uh, diaper dandies and all that stuff. He doesn't have a lot of the same credibility that he used to. But you think about Andy Katz and the College Basketball Live. I caught this stuff last night. And they said, you know, fork to your nose, who wins the Big Ten? And he said, it's not going to be the team that was ranked number one. And the team that was ranked number one, if you remember at the start of the season, Indiana. He said he picked the Wolverines to win the Big Ten. Pretty much the reasons why he picks the Wolverines to win the Big Ten is offensive firepower all over the place. It's not just Trey Burke. It's not just Tim Hardaway Jr. Think about these freshmen, Glenn Robinson III, and that crazy shooter on Michigan, Nick Stauskas. Remember, he's only a freshman. He is shooting 57% from behind the arc, which leads college basketball. They'll go as far as Burke and Hardaway Jr. take them is what I don't think he said, but I will go ahead and make that distinction to you. That's how far Michigan's going to go, in my opinion. He did say Michigan will win that Big Ten. I still say they go as far as Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr. takes them. He didn't mention that outright, but I will go ahead and say that for him. They are 15-0 and right now. Indiana, like we mentioned, was the number one ranked team to start, and Andy Katz did say it won't be the team that was ranked number one to win that Big Ten. So he believes Michigan's going to take it. And then he was asked, where will the Wolverines end up? Are they going to finally make a bid for a Final Four? Are they going to do something that hasn't happened since Chris Webber, Jalen Rose, and all those guys in the Fab Five? He said the Wolverines can go as far as being in the title game. He didn't say who was going to win the title game, but he definitely said it's going to be Trey Burke versus Kansas and Jeff Withey. He predicts Kansas to go to -to back-to-back national championships. Maybe they can get the win this time, as they're not going to have to play against Kentucky, but... We'll see how far that goes. I'm not quite sold that Michigan is going to go ahead and go that far. When you think about Trey Burke, it's amazing what this guy has done being only a sophomore. I really like the way that he plays because he knows when to go out and get his own shots and he knows when to get his team involved. And Michigan, quite honestly, Beeline's done a great job with Burke in regards of not just making him a pure playmaker. This guy is expected to score for the Wolverines and he can do just that. He can put his head down and drive he can drain the three ball. He gets good screens from his teammates. The Michigan does a great job moving the ball around and getting, getting some points. But there remains to be seen how well the game plan is going to work when they play against Ohio State and they play against the Golden Gophers. But Michigan is looking really good, and they look to be the toast of the Big Ten right now. As far as Michigan State is concerned, any time you play up against Michigan, You know Tom is going to want to get that victory. You know Denzel Valentine's probably the best passer on their team. So he's definitely looking to get his uh, players involved. Keith Appling's pretty good. A lot of those guys have been injured from Michigan State last season coming in now. Definitely going to be good and definitely going to get to the rim. They don't have Draymond Green anymore, obviously, but one of those leaders for the Michigan State Spartans last year, but definitely think that Michigan and Michigan State, it's going to be a tough game when that comes down, and probably about another month is when everything gets all settled because Michigan plays Ohio State again in February, but they finally go ahead and get their matchups and putting their money where their mouth is on Sunday and next Thursday against the Golden Gophers. But as far as the Big Ten goes, when you think about Indiana, you think about Illinois, All these other teams, Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State, nobody's going to go away with fewer than two or three losses because it's just the best version of basketball that we got right now in college in that division, and it's absolutely not a cakewalk. And I believe, especially when a lot of these guys have said, maybe not the one that gets you the most bids out of all these other conferences, in terms of surprising teams, but definitely one that's going to be better for it as far as competition goes. But come back in from the break. We want to hit some news and notes across the NBA and talk about some stuff going on that's crazy with the Los Angeles Lakers as well as getting into some more Detroit Pistons and their outlook coming up in the next few days. John Ott, come back in from the break. Sports Day in the D. Sports Day in the DWXOU 88.3 FM, The Grizz from Oakland University, this is John Opp here back with you. Let's get into some NBA action now, as there's a lot of stuff going on around the league in terms of the Los Angeles Lakers not being that same team that you thought they were going to be in terms of winning that championship. Just breaking news and coming in last night is Phil Jackson has no desire to return into coaching, and that's probably because he was shafted and not getting that Lakers job and getting coach Mike D'Antoni in there, which I was saying was definitely the wrong thing for the Lakers to go out and end up doing. And just more criticisms and concerns coming out in Tinseltown as Kobe joins Twitter. You can get him at Black Mamba Tweets at Kobe Bryant. You will find him on Twitter. Definitely give him a follow. The, uh... Lakers, no pow and no D twelve. So Nash gets to come back, gets his ten thousandth assist and the loss to the Houston Rockets a buck twenty five to a buck twelve, and Kobe going out there last week and criticizing the Lakers and calling them old and slow and changing their aspirations to winning a championship to just saying well we have a mathematical shot to get into the playoffs. What a heck of a transition it's been for the Los Angeles Lakers. And who was any of us to finally think that the Los Angeles Clippers would be the team that's better than the Lakers when they share that same building? Never thought it was going to happen, but because you got Chris Paul. You know, it gets Blake Griffin and Chris Paul to want to stay there. That DeAndre joining signing doesn't look too bad. And now you got professional guys in the locker room like Grant Hill, Chauncey Billups. You got a pretty good player in Eric Bledsoe. It's a heck of a lot different in Clippertown than it is for the Lakers. Lob City is working pretty well. So there's been a lot of other criticisms in terms of the Los Angeles Lakers. Sanjus Kobe, you know, joining Twitter and getting his thoughts in there per having a fake fight with Dwight Howard to try to ease some tension. I think it's just one of those things that where Dwight D12 doesn't really have necessarily the game he thought he would. It's not just because he's so bad at shooting free throws. It's because he's never really developed a back-to-the-basket game. He's not one of those kind of guys and it's just coming to show a lot of different things for him that he's if he can't be dominant all he can do is jump and get a rebound if he's not in that situation to do that then Dwight is not going to make much of an impact and look it doesn't make much sense that Pau Gasol is out there bombing threes for the Lakers because that doesn't make any sense in Mike D'Antoni's game plan but he's not one of those guys which I've said all along that's Willing to change his game plan, he believes running and gunning, and the team is not built for it. And a lot of those haters out there that told me that I was wrong. All the friends I would say Mike D'Antoni's going to change his game plan. Well, just goes to show you the Lakers are sitting twelfth in, in the Western Conference. Everybody's laughing at them at their losing. Everybody's enjoying it, and. Mike D'Antoni, not the right guy for the hire. Jerry Buss, you thought you knew something? Should have just hired Phil Jackson, bro, because it's really not working out. In terms of everything else, had to get that off my chest. Talk about some of the things outside the league, and then we'll get into the Pistons. Dirk apparently has made some comments about the... Dallas Mavericks. Not necessarily saying as he's sitting at 13 and 22, and oh by the way, that's just one game worse than the Detroit Pistons. He's sitting out there and saying that possibly, you know, he's upset with the way management and everything is going. Mark Cuban, you know those guys won a championship in the previous year. Now that Miami has taken in they're the defending champions. Dallas had a lot. They had Tyson Chandler, they had Jason Kidd, they had Karam Butler. They decided to let all of that go. Heck, you can even throw in little J.J. Barea in there because he was one of those spark plugs to get everything going. And don't forget about the Jet, Jason Terry. All those guys. Well, all of those guys are pretty much gone besides Dirk. He pretty much is not happy. You know, he's trying to nurse himself to get back in there and get into game shape and It's just not happening for him right now. Mark Cuban, honestly, I believe at this point. You know, he's always one of those guys out there that criticizes refs and lets you know what he thinks. I think he's more in tune of trying to say, this is what I want to do on my reality show, and hey, I got my championship, so I really could care less about the Dallas Mavericks at this point. I think that's where he's at, and I think Dirk is not very happy with it. So if you're surprised to think that... He could be one of those guys. Dirk would be one of those guys that's going to be out at the trade deadline. Don't be. He's not happy where he's in in that situation. I don't blame him. He's giving blood, sweat, and tears for Dallas, and pretty much nobody is there to back and help him try to win a championship, so don't be surprised if he wants out. There's been a lot of blog posts that I've written about DeMarcus Cousins in terms of First, bringing in on the show here at Sports Stand the D. You can get at me at Facebook and Twitter, and you can follow the blog at 360slams.blogspot.com. Try to keep that stuff updated with play-by-play, blogs, and while I'm doing the radio show. So, Demarcus Cousins, he wants possibly out of Sacramento, maybe, if that's what Sacramento chooses to do. He is their franchise player right now, paired with Tyreek Evans. But I think Demarcus, when people have said, he's one of those guys out there, that knows how to get what he wants, and he pretty much does it by just whining and complaining, and he's getting his way. John Calipari was able to have much more of a hold in him as a Kentucky Cap and now that he's made a pro and he knows that he's good, he could be one of the most gifted power forwards in the league to ever play this game. But he's just got so many attitude problems. You, know, you think about Paul Westfall and him getting canned in Sacktown, so they're bringing in Keith Smart, try to fix everything, and yet they still have problems with DeMarcus Cousins. So there's always rumors out there that he's one of those guys that's going to go and get traded. They talked about that with the Detroit Pistons last year in terms of, maybe that's not what the Pistons want in terms of a locker room guy, but you would say at that point, who the heck cares? It's DeMarcus Cousins. He's talented. It's one of the best big guys. Pistons should go after him. They didn't do it last year and definitely not going to do it this year with getting Andre Drummond in the draft. So that's out of there. But just talking about Dirk, DeMarcus Cousins was rumored to be possibly traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Not really sure what Dallas is going to be able to give them in terms of talent because Dallas is pretty much void of that at this point. So it remains to be seen if DeMarcus Cousins is going to be on the move. But ownership and all of those guys are getting tired of his attitude. They're just not tired of his talent. So I'm not entirely sure if they're going to go ahead and ship this guy out there but that's just rumored to be there. As far as the Pistons go, they're 13-23. and 23. That that feel-good win streak of the 6 out of 7 going for 7 out of 8 against the Charlotte Bobcats is broken. Charlotte Bobcats have lost something of like 15 of the last 17 games. Not doing very well. Michael Jordan's team never really does very well because this guy just can't nail anything in the draft. Pistons lose to the Bobcats and over time break a little bit of that good feeling. Now, interestingly enough, they're going up against the Bucks, I believe on Friday, and then going up against the Utah Jazz in the back-to-back Friday-Saturday. What's interesting with the Bucks is they sit at 17-16 and 16, and they claim about the 7th or 8th spot in the Eastern Conference. Well, everybody knows about Monte Ellis and Brandon Jennings. Monte Ellis is one of those guys that came over from the Golden State Warriors, could put the ball in the hole, get you a lot of points. Brandon Jennings can get you a lot of points, too, and run some decent point guard. But a lot of these guys have been inconsistent with their shooting, which is one of the reasons why Coach Scott Sculls for the Milwaukee Bucks was let go. So it's going to be interesting to see what Bucks team the Pistons are going to face. Pistons have already gotten a big W against them after they'd beaten Miami not too long ago earlier. But when you think about it that way, you're not really certain if the Pistons can go out there and get it again because... Pistons don't have guys like Brandon Jennings and Monte Ellis. Yeah, they got Moose and Greg Monroe and Brandon Knight, I think more and more by the day is turning into Greg Hodges than getting that guy that drives the lane. So you're not really entirely sure if the Pistons can go out and get that one, but we'll see what kind of Bucks team shows up for the Pistons. And as far as the Jazz go on that back to back, they're sitting at eighteen and eighteen. You would think a 500 team, honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, the Pistons, if they do get that win against the Jazz, it's going to be a lot more surprising. Because when you think about guys like Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap, just dominant bigs down low. And don't forget about Derek Favors and this Cantor that they picked up. They got some good pieces for that D-Wall trade when he went to Brooklyn. It's going to be interesting to see if the Pistons can get that mark against the Utah Jazz. And prove to everybody else that, yeah, we know they're not going to go ahead and possibly maybe sneak into the playoffs if Will Bynum really just wools them into it like a few of those times that he had done against the Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat. That's what he's thinking because he's a confident guy. I don't think the Pistons are going to make the playoffs, but if they really want to prove to other players that they're they're changing their way around, change the way for the fans, to prove that they're a good team, getting wins against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Utah Jazz would be a great way to start for the Detroit Pistons. And I think that they could do it, but that Utah game is going to prove to be a big difference for them. As far as anything else goes in the NBA before we get into the next segment for baseball, as far as anything else goes, think about all these other teams. You know, the Clippers have been hot. You know, necessarily, maybe they haven't played anybody. The Oklahoma City Thunder are what they thought they were. The only other surprise that I see from the NBA right now is the Houston Rockets. I like the way they came together in terms of Coach Kevin McHale after all binding together with the death of his daughter and everything to go ahead and play some good basketball and pretty much score 100 points every night and just outwilling them play the Lakers yesterday who were outmanned. But Jeremy Lin and James Harden... Have looked a lot better in terms of what you thought they were at the start of the season. James Harden was the guy that was scoring points, but Jeremy Lynn is finally getting in the hang of things. And when you got James Harden, you got two young players, you got guys that pretty much bring an identity to that team, and Houston has paid a lot for them. But it's really worked out for Houston, and they've scored a lot of points, and they're sitting at fifth right now in the West, which is a lot better than you thought they would be. So it's a surprise in the NBA, but The West is looking good. The East is looking the least. Man, the Pistons are going to have some tough tests, and the Lakers, honestly, not making the playoffs. It's not what I thought this season would be when it started, but this is where we're at at this point. When we come back in from the break, we're going to talk about some Major League Baseball, talk about one of the best baseball games out there in MLB 13, the show, and we'll let you know who could be on the cover and how you get this guy some votes. Come back in from the break. WXOU eighty eight point three FM the Grizz is John on here back with you on sports day in the D Let's get back into some baseball now as you talk about something potentially big for the Detroit Tigers. MLB 13 The Show is going to be the only baseball game in town for Sony and the San Diego Studios project as MLB 2K had to hang up its licensing issues of the MLB, so they're out of the picture. So PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita owners will be happy to know that MLB 13 The Show is going to be coming to them in March. And why is this big for the Tigers? Well, None other than Miguel Cabrera could be one of the big mainstays to be on that cover for MLB 13 The Show, just like Calvin Johnson was on the cover for Madden 13. This would be a great year for Detroit sports athletes. So he's one of those guys on there. And I'm going to make my case for Cabrera as we go within these five cover athletes, and then I will leave an honorable mention that I think should have been in the cover race that isn't. So let's get into it. In terms of your five athletes... It's Andrew McCutcheon of the Pirates, C.C. Sabathia of the New York Yankees, Ryan Braun of the Milwaukee Brewers, Bryce Harper of the Washington Nationals, and Miguel Cabrera of the Detroit Tigers. So let's get into this. The first guy, Andrew McCutcheon, only 25 years old, is from the Pittsburgh Pirates of the National League. He played 157 games out of the 162. He batted 327 last season. His previous high was two hundred eighty six, so you're talking about 41 points higher. is a heck of an improvement. 31 bombs is good for about 10 more bombs than last year with 96 ribbies and 20 stolen bases. He's got a gold glove, a silver stugger, and all of these guys within this five are all all-stars, so I will go ahead and leave that mention out from now on. But Andrew McCutcheon is one of the guys on this list that had the biggest improvement and was every bit as important to the success of the Pittsburgh Pirates and in going forward. And considering he's only 25, he's going to be there for quite a while. C.C. Sabathia was next on the list at 31 years of age, playing for the Yankees. Pitched a 15-6 record, 197 strikeouts, and 44 walks with a 3.38 ERA. Ryan Braun, third on the list, 28 years old. Milwaukee Brewers from the National League. Played 154 games, batted 3.19, with 41 bombs, 112 ribbies, and 30 stolen bases, which is pretty good for Ryan Braun because in the last couple of seasons, didn't really expect him to steal more than maybe about 10 to 15 bags. He's been consistently getting you about 25, 30 stolen bags in the last two seasons. My problem with Ryan Braun on this list is obviously the mention of the PEDs and all of that, but considering he's popular, he's going to be on there. He's one of the guys that I think probably should not be on this list. Number four, Bryce Harper. He took the league by storm, 19 years old, out of the Nationals, played 139 games, 270 average, 22 bombs, 59 RBIs, 18 stolen bases, one won National League Rookie of the Year by a landslide. And number five, the Tigers on Miguel Cabrera, just 29 years of age. Keep in mind, this dude isn't even 30 yet. 161 games, played 330 average, 44 bombs, 139 RBIs, he was your AL MVP, the Silver Slugger, and he was absolutely amazing in terms of his success rate and getting stuff done when you really need it, but that's what you expect from one of the best players in baseball. My problem with Ryan Braun on this list is who you didn't mention for the cover, and I think is one of the guys that should not be uh, should have been on there. And I'm not going to go ahead and rehash this a break of the uh, Trout Cabrera al mvp argument but well, mike trout definitely the angels 20 years old deserves to be on this cover vote dude hit three 326 30 bombs 83 ribbies, 49 stolen bases that just hasn't happened in today's baseball in a long time al rookie of the year silver slugger and he was second in the mvp race to miguel cabrera and honestly, he's one of these guys that should have been on this list. Whether or not you want to take out CeCe, I think you got to have Yankees in there because they're always well represented. And I think Bryce Harper deserves to be on there. Andrew McCutcheon deserves to be on there. Miguel Cabrera definitely deserves to be on there. I would think Ryan Braun has got to be one of those guys on his way out. You know, he's already gotten an MVP and everything under his belt. Get some guy that's brand new, put a good face on there, get a good sell, and it would just feel good for Trout to be in the consideration, he's not going to be, so out of this five, between McCutcheon, Sabathia, Braun, Harper, and Cabrera, I gotta put my vote for Miguel Cabrera, obviously, if he doesn't win it, I won't be upset, just like the Mike Trout thing, if Miguel Cabrera didn't win the MVP, I wouldn't be upset if Mike Trout took it. My second nomination, if it's not going to be Cabrera, and I think he's already number one right now on the MLB 13, the show cover vote, is Andrew McCutcheon. Because he's just had an incredible breakthrough season. He improved himself big time upon last season. And he put the Pittsburgh Pirates in the map for quite a while during the season to give them some playoff hopes. So Andrew McCutcheon would be my guy if Miguel Cabrera doesn't win it in terms of if you want to get Miguel Cabrera some votes I'm not here to sit there and campaign for everything in this segment this is keeping you guys aware of everything that's going on Miguel Cabrera if you want to vote for him you can do it on Facebook and you can do it on Twitter Miguel Cabrera said in his own words he's proud to announce that on January 7th is when it starts you can still do it before this week or possibly going into next week you can vote for me to be on the MLB the cover For MLB13, and this is how you do it, Facebook, hashtag Tigers, hashtag MLB13Cabrera. If every time you do that in your tweet, you are sending a vote for Miguel Cabrera. You can also do that for any of these guys that we mentioned, hashtag MLB13, and then the player's last name. As that's how you can vote for any one of these five guys. But that's how you send votes for Miguel Cabrera. Hashtag MLB13 Cabrera. With the hashtag Tigers in front of it. So, it's exactly how you get Miguel Cabrera on the cover. I'm here to tell you right now, Andrew McCutcheon is number one. Miguel Cabrera is number two. And I'm quite happy that Ryan Braun, even though I know he's a great player and all that stuff in my vein, in terms of the admittance of the PEDs and all that, he's getting his justice. And he's five out of five in the cover vote. So Miguel Cabrera could be on the cover. I think the one thing that hurts Miguel is last year he had Justin Verlander on the cover of the MLB 2K series, which is honestly quite an awful game, and it's wasted on a great player to be put on the cover, probably just to sell copies, and 2K knew that as it was the last year of their licensing But Miguel Cabrera, you put him on the cover of MLB The Show, widely regarded as one of the best baseball games to ever hit the market and easily the best right now. And it's not just because there's no more competition. This is a game that everybody should be playing, and a lot of sports enthusiasts, and you don't have to just say, tell me, because I've played MLB The Show since MLB 08. It's absolutely fantastic on the PlayStation 3 that if you're going to go ahead and you put a guy on there, put him on a great game, and you put McCutcheon or you put Miguel Cabrera on there, and you put him on a great game like that, MLB 13, the show, is one of those games, if you're a sports enthusiast, especially baseball, you wouldn't hesitate to send some money down to go ahead and buy a PS3 just to play that game. All these systems have been out for about six years now between the Xbox 360 and the PS3, so it's not going to cost you too much, and you're going to get a good game in the process, and you're going to see possibly the big man on the cover, which would be sweet for a lot of Detroit fans. One thing I want to mention before I get out of here in terms of this baseball segment, I want to point out to you that MLB The Show has had a lot of these guys that have already done play-by-play in terms of Matt Vaskurge and all of that. MLB The Show is trying to go ahead and get some new guys in there, Four thirteen, And I saw on their Twitter page, and I'm going to go ahead and say this because I'm adamant about it. Maybe not a lot of people are so much because maybe there's some people out there that like this guy, but I don't. I recently saw within the last Sports Illustrated that Joe Buck was announced as the Sportsman of the Year, the announcer and everything else. If he's the best sports announcer of the year, so LeBron James is the sportsman of the year, and he's the best, Joe Buck is the best sports announcer, don't mind the LeBron James thing, definitely have a hard time seeing where Joe Buck is going to be on there, because I think his father was a lot better than he is in terms of announcing, and when you think about that David Tyree catch, that most amazing catch that you've ever seen, if you listen to that stuff, on the TV, you didn't see the picture, you heard it on the radio, you would think it was just one of the most regular catches you've ever heard of. And he didn't do it justice. And in terms of baseball and this stuff, he doesn't do it justice. And when you pair him with Tim McCarver, oh my goodness, is what the MLB The Show 13 is thinking about doing. Honestly, I can't sit here and tell you you'd want to buy that game now. <laughs> You're really damaging a lot of my credibility when I tell you that Joe Buck and Tim McCarver could be doing the play-by-play for the game. If that's the case, please kill me because I, I don't want to hear it. I'll just go ahead and put play the game on mute, turn them off, and just play it and hear the sound effects because... That would be greatness. I don't want to hear them in the cover booth for that. Please don't make it happen, Sony. San Diego Studios, do something. The game's good. I can deal with Matt Vasker, and a lot of people complain because all these guys have been in there since the inception in 07. But who the heck cares? When you go ahead and you put Buck and McCarver in there, you're just ruining Everything you're doing good for the game. This is John Offer Sports Day in the D WXOU eighty eight point three FM the grist, University. Just want to send a thank you and a shout out to the fans listening just for the first time, or well, the fans that have been continuing faithful to listen to Sports Day in the D. Going to continue to bring these shows every week to you. And just get at me at Facebook and Twitter at TBU Gunslinger. Get at the show WXOU.org. Slash Listen, Sports Day in the D, I post this stuff on your listen, Facebook, Twitter, anything, get at me, leave some comments, let me know what you're thinking, maybe some ideas for the show, anything going on in Detroit and Oakland University, any of that, or just some general comments of what you think about everything that's going on. I would love to hear from all of you guys, and I really appreciate you listening to the show. We're going to tie this up for this week, when we come back in next week and preview some NHL games, and obviously go over Michigan's criticizing either win or a loss between the Ohio State Buckeyes in their first real challenge. So thank you very much for listening. Have a great weekend.